Hi, everyone, and welcome to Empowering Homeschool Conversations. My name is Peggy Plur, and I'm the host of this weekly broadcast put on by Sped Homeschool, as well as the founder and CEO. Um, we at Sped Homeschool empower families to home educate children with learning challenges, and I encourage you to check out our website at spedhomeschool.com to learn more about the resources and support we offer families. Some of the best resources we have on our website are the services offered by our partners who help fund our work, like Bookshark, who is sponsoring this broadcast. We'll hear more about their product um, that they offer homeschooling families of struggling learners about halfway through the show. But if you're interested in checking them out ahead of time, head over to bookshark.com. Well, each month we focus on a new topic in our broadcast and as well as our blogs. And the central topic that we're focusing on this month of November is homeschooling your child at their own pace and really maybe helping that pace um, out a little bit. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about tonight um, as we discuss um, creating a unique homeschool learning oasis. And uh, my guests tonight are David Nissan. Did I say that right, David? Zissan with a Z. <laughs> Zissan, okay. And Nolan DeMont. I, I flipped those completely. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to read a little bit of their bios, but I'm going to have them introduce themselves as well. But um, David has... Um, worked with children in grades K through five in the Boston area and also worked remotely on Zoom with homeschooled children from all over the United States. Um, he's currently pursuing his, pursuing his master's degree in elementary ed. And, um, and so these guys are creative. So I'm going to read this creative part of their bios too, so that um, it kind of gets you excited for this. But you've lived in Spain, Argentina, Italy, and Tel Aviv, Israel, where um, you spent four years in marketing communications. Uh, and then in your free time, you're a cyclist, a Boston sports enthusiast, a vinyl record collector, an artist, music producer, basketball junkie, and international wanderer. <laughs> so that's awesome. And then we have Nolan, um, who is, are you, you're in your third year at um, the University of Maryland, majoring in psychology. And he's passionate about the unschool movement and over the pre previous decade has worked with children in various roles, including uh, church camp counselor, after school church or after school teacher and chess instructor. Um, and then during quarantine, he started a YouTube channel that has over 10,000 subscribers. Learn the piano. That's a great thing to learn during COVID. <laughs> and considers himself um, a passionate musician, stock market enthusiast, and lover of games. So welcome, gentlemen, and thank, thank you, you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for having us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. And these guys have a um, a business that they do together that they offer um, homeschool families called Creator Kids. And that website is creatorkidskidz.com. So um, we're, they're going to be talking about that during this um, conversation as well. And I see we have some viewers popping on. If you're watching us, um, whether you're on Facebook, YouTube, or Periscope, just know that you can make comments in the feed of wherever you're watching from, and we'll be able to see those and incorporate those in our conversation. So, um, so yeah, as we get started, I would love for the two of you to just share your background. Um, maybe what got you so creative. Because <laughs> yeah. um, I think we were talking about this a little bit before the show is that creativity can be stifled. Um, mm. And I know I was raised in the traditional public education system. And I know my creativity was stifled and it's taken me years. Um, so so what, what has worked within your lives to keep your creativity um, going and... Um, 
And then why are you so passionate about helping others in that area? Sure. Uh, Nolan, you want to go first? Sure. I'll start us off. Uh, so my name's Nolan, and uh, growing up, music was always a big part mm. of my upbringing. My mom, she was a, a music teacher, an early childhood music teacher, focusing on development of mm. that very important age bracket, zero to five, where all of those those brain processes are are in rapid development and the neuroplasticity is is off the chart. Mm-hmm. It's such a key point in in someone's development. And parents often think like, how do I get my child interested in this? How do I get my child? Well, a lot of it comes down to modeling and early exposure. Oh, and so yeah. she mm-hmm. music was a big part of her life and she wanted that to be a part of my life. So um, she instilled that kind of value very early on, just having me around classical music all the time. And by the time I was like three or four years old, I was like, I want to play violin. I need to start right now. And uh, she's like, well, let's hold off a little bit. Mm. because She didn't want to get me um, into that path so quickly to where I would get discouraged in an early age. Like Mm -hmm. oftentimes uh, this can happen where parents, they want their kids to start off an instrument too early Mm-hmm. And they often come to her and they're like, I want my kid to play the violin. I want my kid to play the piano. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're three years old. And my mom's like, slow down. Like, right. uh, there's a certain amount of discipline that, that mm-hmm. comes with mm-hmm. playing an instrument and being able to sit still. And oftentimes right. when you're three years old, you just don't have that. <laughs> that right. Yeah. For two kids that do. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, but over time that uh, I, was I was six, and then I started the instrument, and uh, there were ups and downs throughout the process. Mm-hmm. But uh, it eventually culminated in my my capstone project, which was uh, I played the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto. If any mm-hmm. of the the listeners in the audience are familiar with that piece, it's a twenty seven minute piece. Wow. It was one of the best experiences just to be able to to share that in front of a whole auditorium of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. Yeah that inspired me to, to start playing piano as well. So, uh, that was my kind of, I went to college for a couple of years. I left college because I had so many things I wanted to do outside of college. And one of those was playing piano. And it's amazing how, when you already have learned an instrument, um, the second instrument is so much easier than the first. You just have all of the building blocks in your mind. Hmm. for How do I practice this kind of thing? Um, how do I learn? And I think that's that's a really uh, important part of education. It's not just like intaking material and and uh, you you got to do this. You got to like mm-hmm. how to learn, how to think. These mm-hmm. kinds of of processes, um, right. and also maintaining the passion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's my there's right. my answer. I could go on for the whole hour, but I'm going to just. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, we'll be excited to hear what David has to say, too. Sure. Um, So I think that I've I've always been a very creative person. I was kind of raised in it. Um, Mm. My father, prior to being a lawyer, was actually a professional musician. So I think that I got a lot of my musical um, creativity from him and my mother was always very artistic, so mm. I feel like I got from that side as well. 
but really um on my professional um my professional route really took me into the corporate world as a writer um something that i i'm i'm very skilled at but it's not really something i'm passionate about so um i mean i was working in marketing communications for a variety of tech companies in both in israel and the united states and i was realizing that i was getting burnt out on writing about cluster computing and Mm. Um, cybersecurity, and these were very kind of dry subjects <laughs> exactly. for me as a creative person. So um, I, I I transitioned into working with kids, and I, and people had always mm. kind of told me I'm great with kids. So what what that did for me though is it helped me kind of reclaim my creative muscles, and really allowed me yes. to kind of. Um, rediscover my creativity through working with mm-hmm. kids. So whenever I'm working on an art project with kids or making music with kids or um, making film with kids, hmm. teaching creative skills is something that I'm very passionate about now. So um, yeah, that's yeah. that's why I started my business and that's um, what I'm looking to do with as many kids as possible. That's great. So, you know, what I've heard from you guys is this modeling within the home. And I want to encourage parents that this is this is something that um, you can learn, just like David was talking about, is that it's a muscle. And I'm reading a book right now called Coloring Outside the Lines and how creativity is something that we all have within us, but we have to cultivate it in order for for it to happen. And I I heard that in both of your guys' responses, you were cultivated within your growing up years by your parents, but then you continue to cultivate it through your your life, you know, as you have grown up too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so yeah, I, I think we, we too often dismiss, and I even said this, I have a degree in physics and I, you know, I'm... <laughs> I was guilty for saying, I'm just the engineer. I'm not creative. Um, But in raising my own children and in homeschooling, I learned to be creative because I had to work outside of the box. My kids just didn't fit that mold. And so so from a parent perspective as well, we we can become more creative, not only our kids, but us. So... So I love that. And, and the example that you guys have just in your own lives are, is mm-hmm. evidence that you can keep it going. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah. But now on the flip side, we um, were, a lot of us were raised and schooled in a traditional school setting. And sometimes a lot of people that are now homeschooling had their kids in traditional school settings what does a traditional classroom do to creativity? And just so parents can kind of understand if they have a child that lacks creativity or they themselves do, um, what are, I guess, um, some ways that the traditional classroom works against this creative mindset that we want to strive for? So the first thing, that I will say about the way that education is structured is it is currently all about telling people what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is not going to be conducive to children and ultimately 
adults having a vision for what they want to produce. What do they want to create? Because that's what we're, that, that is what creativity is. It's about creating things. Mm -hmm. Um, It's about producing something. And um, what I found as I went through the education system, um, the public education system in my community, um, K through eight, that's when my parents decided to to pull me out, um, (laughs) is that because students were not um, were not in control of their own learning um, as they got older and older. Um, and now I go mm-hmm. to school with many of these kids. Um, mm-hmm. They no longer have they well, they don't have any awareness of what they mm-hmm. want. Um, right. And so even if you gave them the opportunity now, like, go out there, man, like do whatever you want, create whatever you want. They don't know the first thing about doing that because they've been mm-hmm. always told what to do. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really the tragedy of, of the system because understanding what you want to accomplish, what you want right. to do, that's a skill. That's a muscle that needs to mm-hmm. be taught. Mm-hmm. And, and by not allowing kids to, um, to practice uh, that muscle and, and execute that muscle, mm-hmm. they, they have, they're never using it. And so then you ask kids to decide what major are you? And it's like, I don't know. How, how would I know? I've been told what to do my entire life. Uh, and I, it's, mm-hmm. I have a lot of sympathy <laughs> for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and before you answer, David, I, I do want to say too, is that homeschoolers can do the same thing. Because there's a lot of homeschoolers that will buy certain books and tell their kids this is the right answer. And so we can take that model into our own homes, too. And we are just as guilty sometimes (laughs) for doing the same thing as the traditional classroom because it's easy. It's an easy way to teach. So um, so I just wanted to, to make that we're not beating up the public education system, but um, <laughs> yeah, this is just the traditional teaching methods that unfortunately work against creativity. All right. Mm-hmm. So what do you have to add, David? Yeah. Um, I mean, I would just say that I was speaking with Nolan on this subject a little while ago, and we're just discussing about kind of the the rigidity of the curriculum and the curriculum requirements in a, in a mm. traditional school setting there's not enough emphasis on creative skills classes um Mm. not just not just the the creativity to be able to choose what kind of uh class you'd like to take Mm -hmm. but just to have that as an offering really um I, i i feel like the arts are often neglected and there's a lot that can be gained from um not just not just a painting class, but mm. something in in digital music, something in digital art. Mm. There's there's real real t- real world professional examples of right. the necessity for these skills later mm. on in life, mm-hmm. and to create those building blocks early on. Um, right. I feel like is a very important thing that is not mm. being emphasized enough in, in traditional uh, school curriculum. So right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're becoming a much more visual society, too. Mm-hmm. And so those those jobs are becoming more plentiful. And here we mm-hmm. don't have the students that have that capability, like Nolan was talking about, to stretch their minds in that direction. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. it, it almost is painful when you 
you try to do that. And when you haven't been doing it for, for so long and yeah. it's like, you're trying to force creativity, which yeah. should I mean, be in, like a natural flow. Yes. And especially if, if, if a kid is interested in it, it should be available, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it, even, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it should be kind of a requisite if, if you're going to require math or any other kind of other subject, um, which I, I completely understand the value of. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's being neglected to the point where it's just being kind of brushed aside a little bit. Um, and I think that it's a very important skill in, 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 this, in today's society and for kids in general. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Um, we have a viewer that said that she felt like I was expected to know what I wanted to study in college by sixth grade. And <laughs> I, I remember my parents saying, so what do you want to be when you grow up? And, and I, I, I heard this last year, and I think this is a really good way to flip that around is um, there's a, a doctor named um, Dr. Kathy Cook. And um, she was, she was interviewing my daughter and a whole bunch of other teens on a stage where I was speaking at a teleconference and she's like, I need all the teens that are here. My poor daughter, who is so, she does not like being on the screen. She had to to get up and be on live TV. (laughs) But she made the comment while these teens were up there. She said, the thing to ask them is not what do you want to be? She said, because within their lifetime, they will switch careers at least four to seven times, not jobs, careers. She said they need to know what they're good at. And I really want to focus on what Nolan and David are talking about because a lot of our kids aren't good at math and reading and writing, (laughs) but they are good at some very creative things. And so to cultivate them is so important. And um, yeah, so, so that's, uh, it's so important instead of asking that question because that that's mm-hmm. just a killer right there. I don't know. Were, were you guys pressured in, in your home environment? What do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> it's a lot of weight on your shoulders, a lot of expectations and a lot of anxiety that it's going to produce in these children's lives. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I can't agree with that more to know what you're good at versus what you're going to be when you grow up. I mean, it's 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 a very good point, Peggy. I really agree with that. Hmm. In, in terms of my own, my own experience with uh, feeling that pressure, I wasn't hmm. necessarily told by my parents, we need to make this decision. But that right. doesn't mean that you don't feel the societal weight pushing up against you of like, okay, I've, I've already changed my major once. Okay, I've already changed my major twice. Uh, <laughs> yes. at, at this point, I mean, this is my this is my third major uh, mm. in psychology, and part of the difficulty for me was I did have so many interests, and right. um, at at the end of the day, we live in a very specialized society, um, mm. or something mm-hmm. that prioritizes you're going to do this one thing, and you're going to do it really well, and you're going to do it all the time. You're going to do it. 40 hours, not even 40 hours a week anymore. You're going to do it 50 to 60 hours a week these, these days. Uh, And I mean, we can have a whole conversation about how we've kind of got our work-life balance out of whack in Mm -hmm. the United States. But um, I think another big thing to point out is that um, there's definitely a, a, an intergenerational gap 
where there's people making decisions yes. who are in one generation um, mm-hmm. about kind, kind of that are that are applying to this current era and the future era that is just technology has changed things so quickly that the people in charge of making decisions in the political sphere and mm-hmm. they're just they don't have a clear idea of just how much society has transformed and so um it'll well, and it just can't keep up because it's moving so fast and changing yeah. so quickly and again this is where this creativity element comes in is that when you can think of a solution to make a switch when it's been so rigid and you know, I I see these organizations that are so top heavy to make a decision takes months. Well, your competitor who has a couple people can make a change overnight and you just can't keep up. And I think it's the same in our brains. You know, we, we can get locked into those those processes and say, well, I have to do this step and I have to do that step. And and then I can well, the end product will come out. Um creativity doesn't always work that way <laughs> i'm pretty mm-hmm. certain that you guys when you have worked on music or i don't know if you've written any or you know come up with um art artwork um it comes in spurts doesn't it <laughs> um, yeah some of the best ideas come when you're doing absolutely nothing and you don't think you're quote unquote being productive in fact one of the one of the biggest inhibitors i think to creativity is just root productivity like when you're constantly doing like i need to get this done that's Mm. the time when you're the least creative um because Mm. you are solely restricted to i'm doing this this uh objective task right now um it's when you're when you allow your mind to wander it's when you don't have things that are constantly occupying your your cognitive processes when you're just sitting in the shower that's when the creative juices start to really flow. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Some of my best ideas have come um, in the shower. I think many <laughs> of that. You just well. have to have a notepad in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so, David, as a teacher, I want to pose this question to you from our, mm-hmm. one of our viewers. Leanne says, I, I like what you said to ask what they're good at, but how do I balance it with necessary subjects? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I mean, I'm not necessarily an expert in homeschool curriculum that applies further than, you know, my my knowledge of the creative arts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable teaching a math subject. But, you know, with that said, I feel like there there, there does need to be a balance. There needs to be kind of going with what your child is interested in, like you had Mm -hmm. talked about, Peggy, and really kind of honing in on what they're interested in. If they're interested in creative stuff, I mean, by all means. But I I, I do understand the need and just the necessity for something that's a a more technical subject that they might not not dig quite as much, Mm -hmm. like a math Mm -hmm. or, um, or, or a reading. Um, but I, I, that can be just as important at some, some point, some juncture. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah. We've got a, another, um, creative minds homeschooling said, my son is creative in writing stories. He tells me them and I write them for him. I'm so proud of him for his skills. He's also good at violin and gymnastics. And, awesome. um, and so, so even in within those subjects, our kids can be creative, 
Mm. Um, but, but as this mom says, I write them down. So the writing is not stifling the creativity. Right. Um, and so, so there are some ways. Yeah. Definitely. To Creative writing, storytelling. Mm. That's that, that, that is, I mean, within what I was, what I, what I was working in before in, in marketing communications, I mean, there was that kind of drier stuff that I was doing, but then there's, there's other pathways that are allow for creativity within the corporate space as well mm-hmm. um, in corporate storytelling and finding the narrative of a certain brand right. yeah. things like that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there are real world applications to creative storytelling that are very important. Mm-hmm. So. And we are such a story oriented. I mean, just naturally in our human instinct is to, to attach to stories mm-hmm. and we've, we've moved so far away from that. I know when mm-hmm. my kids finally, you know, they engaged, I thought history was so boring because nobody ever told me it, you know, there was people involved uh, <laughs> other than, you know, these, these names I had to memorize and I was really, this is somebody's life. Oh, I get it now. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, but yeah, when you can, it, it, it's, it, it, it sits deeper in us and, and that, so it, it definitely will, will draw on that. And my kids got super creative with lots of subjects. I mean, I would replace, you know, whatever the, the thing was in the, the math problem, because my son with his dyslexia, he, he didn't always, he, he would get stuck on words because we used this math program that was out of Asia and it talked about prawns and, and he'd get lost in, well, what is a prawn instead of listening to the word problem? So I had to change them into superhero te- you know, words. And when I added, you know, like Batman had this many, you know, whatever, um, he would get the answer instantly. Yeah. And it just, it just had to do with, with my creativity being, being added in there. But, mm-hmm. um, but then, you know, my kids learned to copy that too over, yeah. over time. And yeah, that's, <laughs> I like that you mentioned that, Peggy, with your, your own story with um, changing the wording around um, in order to kind of accommodate um, mm-hmm. his, his learning style. And, and another, another listener referenced um, writing down um, the stories that her son tells. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, the way I apply that to my own life is I found that I often am much better at producing my ideas when I'm speaking them um, ah, uh-huh. and because I'm able to do it while I'm walking around my place. I'm a big pacer. So mm-hmm. I just, I walk around my space and I just have my phone and I have my notes app on my phone and I just mm-hmm. start, I just start speaking. Um, and I found like, my goodness, I can write, I can write so mm-hmm. much more this way than I would be able to, if I were just sitting on a laptop trying to type right. things out. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So these little there there are these little mechanisms that, that we mm. can use to not only increase creativity but also just more stuff is being created um, right. by these yeah. small little changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have anything to add to that, David? Um. No, but I like that. I gotta I gotta work with the with the notes app and the. Well, I find that. in the, the morning I, I do my Bible study and I write out my, I do a devotion and I actually have my own podcast that I, I do mm. that on. But I find things coming to mind like out of my mouth while I'm speaking. <laughs> it's the same <laughs> thing. It's like, oh, I never saw that while I was actually spending an hour reading that. <laughs> yeah. But it just came out of my mouth. So, 
That's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's kind of the way it works. And I, I think when people are verbal processors um, and we don't do enough verbal processing, it goes back to that storytelling um, mm. engagement um, that mm-hmm. we were talking about. And I know you guys teach like art classes and chess. And mm-hmm. so those are different ways to, to engage like logical thinking as mm-hmm. well as creative thinking, but using, you know, motor, um, fine motor skills in the mm-hmm. midst of that. Um so, so yeah, um, we have a couple minutes before our, our halftime cut um, to hear from our sponsor, but do, um, do you see a lot of connections um, when you're working with students, when you engage in those activities that they have these aha moments or that, um, that you find that they, that while they're working on something that all of a sudden they're there may be uh, just a spark that in a, a new direction. I've I've found if if I if I if I can take this one, um, I found that there can be maybe not necessarily always an aha moment, but a cumulative effect hmm. of the confidence that they're building by oh, by yeah. by participating in the um, in the activity. And again, exercising that creative muscle. Mm. Um, I work with a child, a homeschool, uh, with a homeschool family. And one of the children um, is on the autism spectrum. And Mm. she never thought of herself as an artist. Mm. And um, I think that over time, I've been working with her for about nine months now. Um, You really see it in not only in her work, but Mm. in her confidence in she considers huh. herself an artist now, and she's really able to That's build great. that kind of uh, confidence in, in in the artwork. So, um, mm. yeah, I, I see that a lot in terms of the, the creative spark that cumulative right. effect. Yeah, I, I never even thought about that is that anxiety. You have to let mm. that anxiety down to open that, that yeah. creativity up because we do, we put so many walls about, and especially kids on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. My kids are all on the spectrum. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I get this a lot in my home is I have to do it perfect or else it's mm-hmm. not good at all. And, right. and you know, it's getting over that. Well, it, it's not going to be perfect. And it's not going to be the same every time, but that doesn't mean that it's not good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm going to give you guys a quick break and we're going to hear from our um, sponsor and then I'm going to bring Nolan and David back and we're going to continue talking on this subject. So I'm going to bring up a couple things and then we're going to hear from our sponsor, Bookshark. So, all right. So, Bookshark was the best thing I've done for myself and my kids. That's what Dana said. Tracy says, I definitely regret not starting Bookshark sooner. It's been such a great fit for our family. Well, we at Sped Homeschool agree. We've heard from a lot of parents that Bookshark is a really good fit for uh, lots of families who have struggling learners and for parents who, can, who need something a little more structured. So... How can you jump in on this Bookshark bandwagon? Well, start by heading to bookshark.com. On their website, you can request a free catalog, download samples, and see scope and sequence charts of what's taught at each level. There's also a blog at bookshark.com slash blog with hundreds of articles written um, for parents to just see 
how to, to use the bookshark method um, and and maybe how to, to get through some of those teaching struggles. Um, another example is they um, have free unit studies and you can try out the Bookshark way of literature-based learning at bookshark.com slash freebies. And the new unit study they have for free this year is on volcanoes. Maybe a good thing to do over Christmas, your Christmas time and make a change. Um, well, let me just share a few more quotes. Jill says, we switched to Bookshark language arts this year. This was the best decision we ever made. We love how everything ties together. I can't tell you how grateful I am for Bookshark. We're looking forward to adding more subjects next year. And Catherine says, pulling my kids out of public school and getting Bookshark's full program saved our sanity. It was the best parenting decision we've made. We are so much happier now versus the kids staring lifelessly at screens all day. The open and go component is of high quality Literature for science, history, and language arts is amazing. Well, see if Bookshark is a best fit for your family, as it is for these moms. Visit bookshark.com to get that free catalog and then add slash freebies to get the free unit study. So thank you again, Bookshark, for um, just sponsoring this episode and um, and for being a Sped Homeschool partner. We... Um, we have a lot of partners. If you check out our website at spedhomeschool.com, you will find them, including um, Creator Kids, where um, David and Nolan um, are joining us from. And I'm just going to give you guys a little plug again with your um, your website. It's at creatorkids.com. And that so it's creator with a C, but then kids is spelled K-I-D-Z um, dot com. So if you're listening on the podcast and you don't see that, um, that is where His last name is Zissom. I had to have the Z in there. You had to have the Z. He said a place to figure it out. He sent me a list of like, what do we want to call our business? Uh, and it was like a bunch of that's things. That's good. like, that's the one right there with the C. <laughs> Well, it shows a little bit of creativity and yeah, you have to be a little bit out of the box to, to do that, So, um, which I, I fully embrace. I, I love doing things that are creative. I think everybody kind of thinks I'm a thrill seeker a bit, but, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> it's a lot of fun and might as well make life fun. Um, so, so yeah, well, thank you for all that you guys have shared in the first half an hour. Um, you know, these guys shared a video with me, and I'm going to link it in the um, the YouTube description about <laughs> kids just throwing tantrums and this, like, massive storm, and then all of a sudden this calm coming over in this oasis um, that happens when our kids are engaged in creative outlets. And it is so true, those meltdowns. And we hear from parents all the time, how do we get around those meltdowns? And it it really is engaging them in something that's fun and creative can really turn things around. Um, so when we talk about igniting creativity, um, does in helping a child, um, learn and, um, what about igniting creativity helps a child learn and calm the learning environment? Yeah. Um, so I see, in my work, I see the arts as kind of a form of meditation. Um, it's a very meditative practice to be able to kind of express your creative energy. Mm. So in that sense, it can be a very relaxing and, and have a very calming effect yeah. um, on, on both the child and 
as as you mentioned that video, I mean, it's going to also calm down the parent as well. Right, so, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, the arts can be very meditative. Um, it's an expression of what's going on, maybe maybe on the inside subconsciously. Mm. Um, but it's also an expression. It's also you're utilizing fine motor skills um, mm-hmm. and lots of other kind of anti-eye coordination. Um, I think Nolan also had a good um, bit on this one re- regarding chess. Ah, so, I'd love oh, to hear that. Well, I, I have but before I talk about uh, talk about chess, I, I do want to point out um, the the concept in of flow state, uh, and I think that's kind of a relevant uh, conversation here with um, creating a a space where you have a certain amount of a certain amount of focus, right? Mm. That is being mm-hmm. harnessed by something being just challenging enough where it's super engaging, but also not overwhelmingly challenging right. to the yeah. point where mm-hmm. it's stressful. Um, and that's like the, the perfect balance where um, this kind of flow state and this sort of calmness um, mm. we were referring to takes place. Um, mm. There's It, it kind of relates to uh, a well-known concept in psychology um, huh. where there, there's at the point where you have too much stress um, mm. in, a, in a situation, that's the point where exam scores or any sort of performance declines. But they mm. actually, uh, they found that you need a certain level of, you need a certain level of quote unquote stress in order to pique someone's interest to the degree where they're able to get really okay. focused in something and not just like bored with mm-hmm. it. Right. Um, if the task is too easy, too boring, then mm-hmm. performance declines. So that's right. kind of, and, and then you also get very antsy and agitated. Like mm-hmm. you're, not, you're not locked in. And so, right. so there's kind of like this, this zone that you want to be in where it's exactly. not too stressful, but it's not, not stressful at all. Yeah. So nothing's going to be challenging enough. And so mm-hmm. trying to find that. And I, I think that's as parents, we, you know, we try to strive for that. It's sometimes hard when you first start homeschooling to find that. And I guess I've never actualized doing that, but I'm sure I have <laughs> with my own kids. But, um, but yeah, that's a really good point um, yeah. for parents to think about. So, yeah. David, did you, so you mentioned, uh, I had a point about chess. Oh, Do you mind yes. refreshing my memory about, yeah, you you had mentioned to me about? that you were talking about um, chess as allowing your person your as an oh, expression of your personality and your personal huh. style. Oh yeah, and how you're kind of aligning with your own assessment of risk in life. Oh uh-huh. yes, so mm-hmm. so I am a firm believer, and one of the things that attracts me to the game of chess is uh, this idea is of the way that one plays chess is kind of the way that they approach life. And there's so many different styles uh, to go about playing chess. And you can kind of try out different styles and see what works for you. Mm. I am a very uh, aggressive player, chess player. And I'm also uh, very aggressive in terms of how I approach my life. Like I don't wait for things to come to me. 
I go out and, and get things. Hmm. Uh, I don't, and sometimes that leads to a certain level of impatience. And so these skills that hmm. apply to your life about, mm-hmm. okay, how aggressive do I have to be versus overextending myself? Because that's something you can easily do in chess as well. Um, right. You're yeah. in a sense able to practice life skills within a game. Hmm. Uh, right. And that's some of the, that's some of the creative um, components of, of playing this, this game and why I, I appreciate it so much because you don't really think like, okay, chess, it is a logical game, but you don't hmm. immediately think creativity. Um, I, and I yeah. think part of that is um, there's, there's a concept about, about chess being um, mathematical, logical, there are right moves, there are wrong moves. That's all true. Hmm. But when we're first starting out as chess players, and when we're we're developing our style of playing, um, it is it is necessary and it is important to just to just play to just mm-hmm. express yourself on the board. And you're going to make mistakes, and that's like. And when you play people who are better than you, they're going to punish you for that those mistakes. And then you're going to be able to refine your style over time. It's going to mm-hmm. become more sophisticated. It's it's really a lot how like how life works in general. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So would you say that is something that could be then translated into other gameplay? Because I know there's a lot of people that do like game schooling, um, where they you can kind of figure out just how your child um, would most comfortably approach life by playing games with them. Certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I never even thought of that as a discovery way to 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 deal with our kids, but in helping them to develop that and and be okay with it too. Mm-hmm. In in many ways, uh, life is a very complex sort of game, and mm-hmm. so all of these all of these different um, individual games, um, whether it's a board game or uh, whether it's a card game, it's kind of honing in on a particular. Uh, a particular set of skills, a particular um, mm. way of um, going through life, and you can yeah. take that and you can apply it to your to your broader life and mm-hmm. within the domain. So, huh. yes, my kids are big gamers, and yeah, I am not. <laughs> I try. <laughs> Oftentimes, the rules are just way too complicated for me. <laughs> but this is a generation gap. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, so let's dive into specific activities that you find mm. help children open up and be more creative or regain creative ground where it's been lost, maybe through more traditional um, teaching, learning, um, even just traditional methods of instruction as parents. I think we start our kids young with how we think we need to train them and... Um, so what, what are some activities that, that can really open up some doors? So for in my experience um, in working with children, I feel like you have to kind of, and, and, and I've incorporated this into the classes that I offer, um, is you have to kind of try to lock into what is going to stimulate the child. Okay, mm. so 
when I'm talking about something like a 3D clay creations class, mm -hmm. um, the fact that it's very tactile, that you're able to touch and mold yeah. and manifest it, mm -hmm. that has a very powerful appeal to mm. a, a certain age group of children, mm -hmm. but also to also to children um, with disabilities or um, children on the spectrum. It allows for them to kind of have a physical manifestation of what they're they're interpreting in their head and being able to touch and mold it into something in in a tactile way um yeah additionally like something like drawing or watercolor um those are very those are important fine motor skills mm -hmm. that that's the patience that's needed to develop um mm -hmm. to to really get a nice piece of artwork the, the amount of patience that is necessary is, is a life skill that i think is very important um and something like some of the digital classes that we offer, um, something like a garage band, which is a hmm. very uh, powerful but very intuitive uh, music production suite for that, that is definitely accessible for children. Hmm. Um, that kind of opens up things in, an, in a musical way. Um, doors that might have been closed previously can be opened up with huh. an iPad and... Hmm. Um, it's great because it's free software and there's a lot of, it helps kind of facilitate the learning of other instruments. The fact that you're able to learn a variety of different um, sounds and kind of how to piece them mm -hmm. together and produce something that's coherent and beautiful. Um, yeah. So there's a lot that, that that's another one. Um, digital painting and, and iMovie. Those are also creative skills that, you're learning with creative expression and learning a creative software. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like there's 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 definitely specific activities that can really um, move those gears, and right. um, especially with the iMovie with the creative uh, storytelling as well. Hmm. So, just like we spoke about, I mean, you can come up with your own movie, your own commercial, hmm. your own you know, mini story, however you want to kind of put it right. together. So, huh. yeah. 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 I love that. You're talking about accessible, but, mm -hmm. but not accessible to the point of, well, this is all you can do, but right. it, there's an end product to, to show and to share as well. Absolutely. And, and so you, yeah. So I, I heard that and, you know, kind of what you were talking about is, you know, you're increasing that creativity in the middle, but you're making it easy enough that it's, it's not, you know, this obstacle or big thing that right. the child has to get over to, to right. engage in it. But over time they produce something that is, they're so excited about sharing too. Yeah. And yeah. something they can be proud mm -hmm. of. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that just spurs them on even more, I'm sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. Just like the student you were talking about, you know, that yep. is now calling herself an artist. So, yeah. To know that they can do that, to have that kind of confidence, it's mm -hmm. a, um, it's a very valuable, very, very valuable thing in life mm -hmm. to have the confidence to know that you can do something, that you have a skill, you have an ability and you can produce things. So. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so cool. So, yeah. you got anything to add to that, Nolan? Uh, to more 
focused in on a particular technique that I found very much engages um, kids opening up. In school, because people are so accustomed to, I'm going to answer this question and it's got to be the right answer, right? Mm. If, I don't, if I don't get the answer right, then I'm wrong and I embarrass myself in front of all of my peers. And right. uh, that's a horrifying yes. experience. It shuts down the creativity. Yes. It really <laughs> does shut down uh-huh. the creativity. Um, and there's also not much of a dialogue there. That mm. generally goes, does anyone know the answer to this question? Uh, uh, yeah. right. Yes, that's correct. Or that's wrong. And then there's nothing um, mm-hmm. There's nothing else. There's no like, okay, what was your thought process behind that, right? Mm-hmm. What's, what's your thinking? And this is one of the questions that I often ask uh, when I'm working with kids uh, in chess because something I'm uh, something I love about chess and something I pride myself on in terms of kind of an educational philosophy is teaching individuals how to think and mm. um, and part of being able to, to think is being able to articulate exactly what cognitive processes, what you're thinking, what's going on in your head. And right. um, that is uh, when, when someone is just describing, able to describe, okay, why did I move a piece here and, and walk me through exactly what they're thinking? Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I found really gets kids opened up um, right. and it's more kind of in a conversation. And then mm. you can kind of point out like, okay, wait, what would you do after this move? Right. And you can mm. throw a little, uh, throw a little counter back at them. And they're like, Oh, I didn't see that. Right. Okay. Let's, yeah. let's, let's, yeah. let's do. And you, you get to kind of form um, different routes for their, for their, um, I guess. Yeah. For, for them to, articulates their thought process Mm, Um, mm -hmm. they get to articulate it in this way and they get to then you change it up and like okay what happens what happens here and they get to create a whole nother uh sort of thought process over here Mm -hmm. and yeah that's yeah well it's it's not the the one answer is right because there's multiple ways that you can approach, you know, a a chess move. And, um, and so that whole change of mindset that there is not always one right answer, um, that opens doors to creativity that, um, that definitely aren't, I mean, and, you know, the same thing has to come with drawing or with music is well, what if we change it up just a little bit here? What's going to happen? You know, and have that inquisitive mindset versus, well, I've got to search and get the right answer or I just I'm not going to get it right. And I'm just going to have to give up or um, wait till somebody else comes along with the right answer um, for me. So um, so those are, are really great points that that you make. And um, I I think as parents, I, I know when I taught my kids and, you know, even thinking, you know, teaching myself things. I don't always think that way. So that was a good reminder. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I would love if you guys have any story, stories to, to share um, of just, I know, David, you shared about your one student on the spectrum who has, mm-hmm. has opened up. Um, what what are some other stories? Um, we've got just a couple minutes left, but um, is there any stories you have to share with our audience of just transformations or um, things that have happened um, to students that you've worked with as you've helped them 
explore these creative outlets? Um, I mean, I'm thinking, and I'm thinking of of a kid who. So I was when the pandemic hit. I mean, I was mm. working with some homeschool families from all over the United States, and um, this one boy actually from Maryland. Um, yeah, he he was like very. Um, he was very kind of unsure of himself in his, in his um, music abilities and his drawing abilities and any kind of creative facet. Hmm. And his, he seemed like his kind of, his, his father was kind of pushing him into some of these classes, uh-huh. um, which I was very grateful for because he was an awesome kid. Yeah. Um, and, uh, <laughs> but it was awesome because he, he, he really kind of opened up and, um, understood that he had some ability in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I had him in my digital digital painting class um, where we all kind of, we, we all draw, excuse me, painted the same picture of a very colorful bird and he did a great job on that. Um, I'm also thinking of the some of the music he made in my garage band class. Mm-hmm. So again, it goes, it goes back to the, the level of confidence and yeah. knowing what you're good at and discovering what you're good at mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. maybe what you previously didn't know you could do. And that's a very powerful thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's awesome. You got anything mm-hmm. to add to that, Nolan? <laughs> yeah, I wanted, I wanted to share uh, a story about a student that I had in um, the aftercare program that I worked with um, mm. in my years out of college. Um, there was one particular kid and he had incredibly athletic, high energy, um, very charismatic kid. But one thing that this individual uh, struggled with at times was keeping his body still. And it kind of goes mm-hmm. into the theme of calmness. And one, one day I designed an activity and I, this is the kind of activity I didn't really uh, expect many kids to be too interested in it hmm. um, because when, you uh when when kids hear meditation there's generally a lot of um negative associations mm-hmm. that are that come along with that for a kid like oh this is boring i have to sit here and <laughs> not <nothing."> talk yeah <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I did this activity thinking like maybe we'll get we'll get one or two students and it'll be a kind of an intimate experience however Never in my wildest dreams did I think this kid was going to be the <laughs> one who was like, "Yeah, let's let's do it." Um, and I mean, just just to see, I I was kind of took took him on a shamanic journey. He was lying down on the table, mm-hmm. um, and he closed his eyes, and um, I I kind of guided him through this whole meditation process, and he was he was really into it. Uh, and there were there were moments where, um, like his his peers his kid, peers would come up to him and like poke him, and for a moment like he would, <laughs> he would smile, and then he would come back in. You'd like recognize like no, I actually want to return to this state that I was in. Um, I, I appreciate it so much that um, <laughs> even I want my peers to leave me alone. You could tell that was going on, and that was really cool to <laughs> to watch someone who. Um, perhaps had uh, would have had a, a a negative association with um, non-athletic, non 
dynamic kinds of activities right. yeah. to see yeah. him get into this sort of zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that exposure to things that you haven't been exposed to and um, it, and just give it a try. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we can we can say I'm not good at this or that's just not for me. And but if we don't try it, it we just don't know and our kids are the the same way. Um yeah, I often told my kids that you know, we'll go try out a class. I you know, I wouldn't sign them up right mm-hmm. away. It's like let's try something. And you have an out if this is really not something you really want to do. <laughs> but, you know, of course, if you sign up for the class, you're going to show up now because you said you wanted to do this. <laughs> so there, there's a give and take about that, too. So um, so those are great stories. I love that. Um, both of those examples are um, just, you know, pushing us in the right direction that um, yeah. it is it is good to challenge our kids with with things that. We don't do and even as a family to experience things, um, you know, different than what you've always done. And I have a husband that is very much, you know, <laughs> this is what we've always done. So and I was like, well, can't we go to another state and go camping instead of where we've always gone? <laughs> so um, I want yeah. I want to add one more thing too, with kind of tying this back to our earlier mm-hmm. uh, conversation on modeling as well, because um, yeah. like having our kids try new things is a fantastic, it's exactly what young minds um, need to be. They need to be doing constantly, like Mm -hmm. testing your comfort zone. It's how you grow. However, they're going to look to you as a parent for leadership um, in that regard. And they're going to look, if if, if you are not upholding your end of like uh, trying new things and Mm -hmm. you have certain fears and your kid recognizes that, well, they're, they're not doing that, right? They, mm-hmm. why are they forcing me to do this? They're going to see you as a massive hypocrite and they're going to mm-hmm. provide resistance. But if they see you as, okay, it's, my parent is, is trying new things too, much mm-hmm. more likely to, uh, to follow suit and want to, um, mm-hmm. want to, they want to be like you. I mean, that's, that's right. what it comes down to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's also putting good mentors in their lives, which you guys are. Um, and I want you to talk a little bit about um, your website and the courses that you offer homeschoolers through creatorkids.com. Um, because there are a lot of people that say this teacher, this this mentor in my life, this, this person um, just really influenced me. And you, you hear adults talk about that. And um, so, so I just encourage you, parents, if you, you're feeling like this is just not up my alley right now, I will work on creativity with my kids, but I, I need some injection in there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, um, so that's where we're, you know, taking advantage of, of classes that David and the Nolan offer um, are, are just really helpful. So can you guys talk mm-hmm. a little bit about um, what you guys offer Creator Kids? Sure. So, um we offer kind of three kind of categories of classes. And these are what, what we like to call creative skills classes. So the first would be our, in our non-digital section. And that would be 3D clay creations where you have mm-hmm. uh, modeling clay. Um, and we're, we're making all different kinds of cool creatures and different kinds of food out of the clay. Um, the next is watercolor painting where we go over different kinds of techniques and then we'll 
will typically have like a picture that we'll be trying to represent um, artistically. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll take a vote on what image we're going to have as the class. Um, and then the drawing class is very similar to the watercolor class, but it's using, you know, alcohol-based markers or, um, or just colored pencils, whatever mm-hmm. kind of colors you'd like to use around the house, that you have around the house, rather. Um, the next category would be our digital classes, and those are iMovie, GarageBand, and digital painting. So those okay. cover kind of the the, mu- the musical arts, uh, mm-hmm. filmmaking, and the digital um, digital painting, which is pretty self-explanatory, right. but digital mm-hmm. artwork. Um, and then the last category is chess, which is Nolan's expertise. That's, um, that's my and <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really up his alley, and he has a beginner's class and an intermediate class. And awesome. the cool thing is, is that for the non-digital, we have, they come in... Um, Packages of six classes. The the excuse me. The non-digital classes come in two two classes. The digital classes are six classes, and then chess is uh, six classes as well. Hmm. So. That's awesome. So you guys have really uh, honed in on what works, and and um, some. It, it sounds like you know very unique offerings, more than I've I've heard um, from a lot of. Um, online courses you know a lot of them mm-hmm. are just tutoring and so mm-hmm. um but just want to encourage as we've you've listened to this um broadcast to to really think about how important these creative outlets are they aren't just mm-hmm. extras i think we we always tack them on as extracurricular you know all that those things mm-hmm. and um so so yeah well, this has been awesome. Thank you guys for, for sharing. We are over our hour, but it has been a wonderful discussion and a lot of fun getting to know both of you and mm-hmm. um, and just all that you had to share with us. Awesome. Thank you so much, Peggy. We really appreciate you having us on. Yeah, you guys were, were definitely in, in inspiring. So um, just keep up doing the good work that you're doing. And I, I can't wait to hear how you grow. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. And I want to thank all of our audience for um, joining us on this episode of Empowering Homeschool Conversations. Um, this is just one of the many resources that we have at um, SPED Homeschool and make available to families who are home educating students who are struggling learners. And so um, I also want to send out a special thank you to Bookshark for sponsoring this episode. And um, you can find out more about them at bookshark.com. So next week, we are going to be focusing on a topic in the same realm, but how challenges in creativity increase students' success. And so we're going to add the challenges in there as well. And that's kind of what we talked on just a little bit about creating that sweet spot mm-hmm. <laughs> of making it challenging, but but not too challenging. And so my um, guest next week is going to um, be, be kind of honing in on, on those things. So... Um, so yeah, so that's what we're going to focus on then. And um, so I hope you all can join me. Um, but in the meantime, make sure you stay connected with us on our website at spedhomeschool.com and also our learning platform and community platform, empoweredhomeschool.org. And of course, don't forget to visit um, David and Nolan's website at creatorkids.com. So so thanks again, guys. This was great. Thanks all for, for joining us. And we'll see you next week right here on Empowering Homeschool Conversations. Bye, everybody.
Hello, my name's Rachel Carmen, and I want to invite you to come over and listen to my podcast. It's called Real Refreshment. For years and years as a young mother, I chased after the wind, thinking that the world could offer me the refreshment I longed for. But it was only when I discovered it in the person of Jesus Christ that I really found refreshment. Come on over and join me as we dig into Bible study. I'll see you there.